Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor as he travels the vortex and arrive at episode 482. Stand aside or I shall lay waste to your soul. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Pretty good. Tired. A little bit of a headache, but I'm powering through. Great. Now now I have an obligation to be bubbly. <laughs> I'm doing great. Holy cow, Batman. I couldn't be any better. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about my week, can I? Yes, please. I want to go first. Okay, so the Criterion Challenge continued, and this week we watched Blow Up. Have either of you seen this? Glenn probably has. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll have to remind me. A photographer in the 60s in Swing in London uh, may have captured a murder on film. I'm familiar. I haven't seen it. I'm not going to spoil it, but wow, not what I thought. Oh, yeah. I get why film circle geeks really get excited over this film. I, I understand that. I don't think I enjoyed it. I, I think it very much left. And Mel, Mel certainly didn't. <laughs> it, 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 I, maybe I'm wrong, but it really felt like there was about half an hour of movie in this hour, two hour worth of. <laughs> like there, there was this much that was there and the rest of it was the a, scene from Austin Powers where he's going, yes, yes, no, no. More of an art piece, huh? Uh, very much so. And not that, the, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. And part of it may have just simply been my expectations based on the description. I kind of think maybe if I'd gone into it blind, not knowing what it was about, maybe it would have treated me differently. But the, the, the you remember the scene from uh, um, High Society that's played for laughs where the guy's enlarging the photo? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That's the kind of the core of, of this film. I wonder if it was, I, ins- I, I wonder if it's the inspiration for that bit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he was directly spoofing it or not, uh, Brooks, but um, you know, when, when he starts to piece things together with this one shot that he took and, and then he goes and he enlarges a part of it and he enlarges a part of that. And he kind of keeps starts finding all these clues of something that went on, man, that part was riveting. I was so glued to it. The rest of it was just, huh? And then there were mimes. <laughs> Did you not? And then, oddly enough, the next day I rewatched Batman, the, and there were mimes. The Keaton version. Yeah. Right. And 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 there were mimes, and I was kind of like, oh god, they're following me. <laughs> I think it probably just put you in the mood for more mimes no. in Batman. I'm never in the mood for mimes. <laughs> it's a subconscious thing, Sean. Yeah, I was just saying, this, subliminally, his mind was reaching out for more mimes. Let's, let's be clear. Mimes are the lowest form of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mimes. But yeah, so uh, this this one I'd have to, I'd, I'd have to get, I think I'd have to give this one a pass. So <laughs> full, full review on Letterboxd. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll skip that one when I finally start my Criterion Collection uh, challenge. <laughs> Eth, what did you do? Uh, I've burned through most of Ready Player Two. Mm, I saw you were reading that. It's pretty good. It's uh, kind of the same feel as the first book, but takes a different approach as to what it's doing. And I'm enjoying it. Uh, I know it's gotten some criticism for not being more original, but... I don't know if I necessarily wanted something more original. I wanted more of the same because I enjoyed the previous. So, uh, and they set the stakes a little better, I think in this one so far. So full review next week because I'll have it done far before then. I've got like less than a hundred pages left. So I'm extremely curious because I, I, I've seen the, the negative reviews on it and I was going, Oh, I'm still going to read it of course, but did you, did you read Andromeda? Was that his other book? Uh, you know what I'm talking it, about? Uh, Armada. Armada, that's it. Did you read Armada? Yeah. I did read Armada, and I liked it quite a bit. You did? So okay. Because a lot of people that were complaining about this one were also ones that I saw complaining about Armada. So Maybe it just wasn't hitting their uh, their reference button right or something. It just And there's some of the stuff that I don't personally connect with as far as references, and it seems a little less... Um, Seems a little bit more mainstream in some of the references it's making, but I'm still enjoying it. I wonder if I mean, that's I'm gonna, wonder if that's an attempt to 
to reach a broader audience maybe yeah and and you can kind of tell um a little bit that he's gotten some guidance from like spielberg on how to kind of make things a bit more cinematic and what might work better as far as if it goes to film at some point well yeah that's what i'm thinking of course he is (laughs) it's more in line of here's the official checklist of things we have the rights to (laughs) yeah and there's some stuff that i'm not sure because they're right now they're on a planet of prince so uh, i'd be surprised if they had the rights to prince like in its entirety but possibly i don't know are you saying Prince? Yeah, the the musician. Okay. <laughs> An entire planet dedicated to Prince and all of his albums, performances, movies, etc. Could be wrong, but I do believe Warner has the Prince catalog. Oh. So that main... Now, obviously the Prince estate is a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I was thinking, oh, yeah, this is going to be easily made into a movie until we hit that point. And then I'm like, ooh, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Well, we'll see what happens as they finish it. And Glenn? I watched, well, besides watching WandaVision, uh, I watched uh, Godzilla King of Monsters, finally. Yay! And I, I liked it a lot. I don't know what the critics are talking about. I noticed it had a low tomato meter score, but the audience score was high, so I guess I fit in the audience. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I, I And Keith and I talked a little bit before, and he made mention of something that I've heard quite frequently that that it has too many monsters, and I I don't think so. I don't think it's I don't think it's overbloated at all. I think I liked it. I think it's an interesting you premise. Never have too many monsters. <laughs> well, I, well, I, I, think I was saying that the critics wanted the human story, and yeah. that's why they liked the first one. But see, and I and think this that, one was more monsters fighting. I think the human story is there still. I think the human story is there <laughs> full front. In fact, I think there's a little bit of a more of a human story in this, or at least a more kind of touching story than than there was not even touching there's more of a an emotional an emotional yeah there's more of an emotional story i think in this one than there was even in the first one um the other the first one pulls at some heartstrings but yeah this one just i i really enjoyed it i thought uh millie bobby brown did a fantastic job uh actually all of the the actors did it uh i did not know that um oh uh Tyrion lannister uh oh uh <laughs> what's his name <laughs> God, he's shown up in everything recently. Yeah. Uh, um, I didn't. I had no idea he was in that. In fact, I didn't know what the premise was going to be of this. I, I guess I was able to stay spoiler-free of it for so long, and I'm kind of surprised because I think it's the, the movie's two years old now. Yeah, at least. It's good, though. I really enjoyed it. I think uh, they did a nice job, and I think it'll... I, I'd be curious to see, although it was refreshing to see that they mentioned Skull Island, but that Kong didn't show up. Um, so I'll be interested to see how they're going to do that, especially since there still seems to be a size difference between the monsters. So uh, Not from the trailer. Well, that's that's why I'm saying I, I'm wondering how they're going to do it, because there is a size mm. difference between the monsters from what we have so far. <laughs> Well, there was there oh, was yeah. a, there was a drop line in Skull Island where um, he's a juvenile. Yeah, he he comments. He's still growing. Mm. Okay, <laughs> I, he, didn't, I didn't notice that. But um, I guess he can grow a lot in thirty years. <laughs> well, he would have. That's just it. He looks like a fully developed gorilla, though. And well, or Charles Dance, whatever he is. But and then to, Charles Dance, yes. And, but then to to grow more in thirty years, I just I uh, not like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think they're, they'll cleverly get around it, or they'll just hand wave yeah. it away. But I'd be be curious to see what. How do you know what the life cycle is? Well, here's the other. Here's the other. The, well, I mean, if a gorilla is a mature adult, it's not. It's just like a human. It's not going to grow anymore. And that was the 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 quote unquote gorilla that's in Kong Skull Island is a fully formed beast. Um, the other Although thing that well, the other thing the, that I have pictures and the trailers from the new one coming out there is a he he obviously looks older in the face i think you guys are forgiving it a little too much um that well the, the, a little too harshly critical i think they're going here's where i think they're going to go with it i don't think that the godzilla we've saw in this one is going to be the same godzilla that we get in godzilla versus king kong and here's the reason why i say that is because unless that is a city size aircraft carrier that they're fighting on in those clips then they have to he, godzilla's got to be a lot smaller 
smaller in this one because he won't fit on a aircraft carrier. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think they're going to go a different route with it. I think that, that this is not going to be our Godzilla. In fact, Baby Godzilla. since they've said that Mechagodzilla is supposed, I mean, the rumor is he's supposed to show up in this one. I'm wondering if maybe they've taken and Monarch's done something to the original Godzilla and mech him out. And this is a different Godzilla. I don't know that it would be like a, a son of Godzilla type thing, but I, I'd be surprised to see what they do with it. A twist. <laughs> That's about it. I didn't do anything. Uh, I guess I read, I finished reading The Pit, which is another um, Doctor Who uh, new, new Adventures novel from the uh, 90s. Perceived fan wisdom just tears the book apart, says how awful it is. It's not awful, but it is not without its issues. It's not written very well. It's got a terrific premise, um, and it's got a really good idea. It's just the execution falls really flat, and it suffers from what a lot of the books suffer you know, separating the doctor and, well, in this case, Bernice, which happens, I think, even more than separating the doctor and Ace in the previous books in the series. But um, it suffers from that. And it also suffers from too many characters with not enough direction and, and a lot of sub stories that don't get dealt with later on down the down the line but i didn't hate it i think it i gave it two stars i think on goodreads which was being generous i think con considering the amount of one and if you could do fewer stars <laughs> that many people give it on goodreads i guess the guy that wrote it and i can't recall his name right now but it was the only thing he wrote <laughs> not not just doctor <laughs> who it was the last thing he wrote period <laughs> yeah i think that's it anything in the news Big Finish has made a couple of announcements. The next big box set, well, more than box set, series has been announced for David Tennant's called Dalek Universe. So this is a, a four, three or four part, or sorry, a three volume set with nine stories total that sees the Doctor pulled out of time and sent back to the era before the last great Time Lords. It's set during the Daleks Master Plan. Yay! I'm excited. I'm excited He's for it. united with someone named Anya Kingdom, a space security service agent. She's a descendant of Sarah Kingdom. Oh, okay. And a guy named Mark Seven, Which an artificial dude. The guy that is from the, well, we, we reviewed the Defenders, which was the uh, Terry Nation based script that uh, Big Finish adapted that would have been the script that was being shopped around the US for the Daleks US story and we also read mm -hmm. some of the supplemental material when we were doing our Sarah Kingdom stuff that was uh, had Mark 7 in it as well okay. in fact yeah, some, of yeah. the, some of the Dalek uh, and audio annuals that I just finished listening to in fact I think all of them have stories with uh, Mark 7 in those as well so I'm excited. That's pretty cool that they're bringing those, that character back. And in a way, they're bringing, you know, a, a kingdom carrier character back in, in a, you know, a, either a daughter. I don't know how she's related to uh, Sarah Kingdom, but with the, the new gal being a in the family anyway. I think that's, yeah. that's cool that they're going that direction. The series will also have a special prologue, a four-part adventure with Tom Baker and Louise Jameson and K-9 where they initially meet Anya and Mark Seven. I didn't so it's that. kind of a prologue where he's then is later reunited with former companions, essentially. And he will battle Daleks, Mechanoids, Mavellans, and Davros throughout this series. All my favorites. And what's interesting is if you look at the covers, the Mavellan is Alex Kingston. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I wondered if maybe this is a way that I wonder if it really is going to turn up to be River Song in a way. And this is how she's having to she's disguise just, herself. She's in disguise because obviously yeah. she can't let the 10th Doctor, you know, because he only meets her at her death. So that might throw continuity and timeline off. So she has to. Although they did a whole box set where they met each other and again. So. Oh, did they? Well. Yeah, Big Finish did. Or they are doing. I don't know if it's come out yet. So they they have figured out how they can do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty exciting, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And it's nice that it's a, a series slash box set that we can just jump into. We don't have to have anything pre-listened to in advance. 
Mm. Yeah. Well, and I think that's their that since they finished the main range, I think that was their intention was to do more box sets where people could kind of jump in at any point and not have to worry about the continuity as much. Yeah. What else do we have? Well, they also announced a new range of audio novels. Have uh, six titles in this new range. The first one being The Scourge of the Cybermen, set for release in July 2021. John Coleshaw will narrate, tells a six-hour epic tale of the Third Doctor and Sarah Jane Smith as they battle cybernetic monstrosities on a futuristic off-world sea base. It's like our Christmas and birthdays all wrapped into one, Keith. <laughs> Although I have, I would have to go back and rewatch Revenge of the Cybermen, mm. but I'm worried about a continuity issue Uh-oh. of Sarah Jane's reaction to seeing Cybermen. Mm. Keith, I'm disappointed that you buried the lead on this. <laughs> I, I really thought you would have, you know, put the the Cybermen first, well, the third and then talked about the Dalek that. stuff, you know. Well, <laughs> you know, it's my concern over this continuity issue, I'm telling you. <laughs> Big Finish has always found clever ways to get around. I think they'll we'll be okay. This is true. Uh, unlike is legendary true. pictures um, with their King Kong and Godzilla sizes. <laughs> and John Coleshaw doing the third doctor for mm. six hours is going to be pretty good. So it's not uh, Tim Turloy? Huh. But I believe John did a good job in that other story we listened to. So who is it? Which doctor is this? Third. Huh. I, I didn't know we'd heard anything with Coleshaw doing the do- third doctor. Well, didn't he do it in that lockdown video? Wasn't he the one that didn't? Yeah, I guess he must have, because I think he did three. I think he did three. Because it wasn't Tim Trelor. Yeah, you're right. I wonder why they're not bringing Tim Trelor back. Maybe maybe they've got so many projects working that it, they're kind of splitting up the workload. And he's been playing Chameleon and Lethbridge Stewart. So. And it's, a, it's also a narrated story, so it's not like it has to be a spot-on impersonation. Yeah. Like it does for the other, um, where it's a bit more... You know, actual story, like audio drama as opposed to the audio book right, type situation. Right. Kind of the uh, narrating a story. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I'm excited about that. And It's kind of cool to see them do such a long form production like this. Six hours for one story. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And there'll be more coming. As always, Big Finish holding it down in between episodes. Mm-hmm. Last bit of news: There's going to be a limited reprint of the script Doctor by Andrew Cartmel. You can order it online now. I don't know no, how limited it will be. Sean, you read that right when it first came. I out. did read that. It is a worthy addition to your behind-the-scenes Doctor Who information shelf. It'll be coming out February eighth. Very cool. We'll look for that. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to our reviews. On mortality. Old mortality. Never heard of him. And what story are you engaged in at the moment? Old man! And who are you calling old, sir? The hours, these mountains. No one curses them. Indeed. Not just an excuse to live out your fantasies. Those that do pay with their lives. Oh, oh you want to fight, do you? Well, you can play at that game. I'm studying an event from the antiquity of the planet Earth. Honored members of the Supreme Council. Cardinals. Time Lords. Uh, you're still wasting time with that primitive backwater? At least Earth has an ongoing history. I'll feed you to the dog bit by bit. Just a minute. Die, old man. Everything stopped here centuries ago. It need not have done. I stand before you and offer myself to the highest and humblest duty. So many paths to choose. I pledge myself to the stewardship of time until death shall overtake me. So many possibilities. So many. What is this? We're outside the Panopticon of the Capitol. Whose investiture is this? The President of the Supreme Council of Time Lords. Who do you think? Don't push your luck, Doctor. Or when we get to Rome, Surus will use you as shot with a catapult. Who is writing this story anyway, you or me? Hmm? 
crickets from Sean. He's not giving bum, it a bum, bum, bum. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's all right. I just you usually rate it that way. So I, 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 I when I don't I, hear I, it, I think, uh oh, great, Sean didn't like it. It it definitely gets a dun 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 for me. A fairly strong one. Good. Well, you want to start us off? Um, sure. I liked it. <laughs> uh, Keith, how about you? What did it you? It know? was good. <laughs> it was good. I are happy. <laughs> um, no, it was. I uh, first of all, the uh, now who's the actor that plays the doctor in this? Because you know me, I'm terrible with names. Uh, Jeffrey Bailden. Bailden, yeah. I don't know if that's pronounced right. Bail. Bail. B a y l d o n. That's how I pronounce it. Bailden. Bailden. Jeffrey did a phenomenal job of being the doctor while also sounding a little bit like the first doctor. I know that some people could think that's confusing considering this is supposed to be a, you know, alternative, not canon Doctor Who, but I found it comforting. Well, I uh, think... Especially I think, with the way this Doctor was written. I think it is. In fact, in my mind... In, in my uh, head canon, this is the first doctor, had he not left Gallifrey. This is, I mean, because Baden does the, um, Baden, he does the, uh, he does all of the inflections. He's not, he doesn't nail it. He doesn't have it exactly like Hartnell, but neither did Herndl and neither does uh, uh, Bradley. And mm-hmm. so I think that when I listen to this, I think he had the right tone and mannerisms. And I fully am cemented in this being, this is an, a what if, yes, and it's an unbound. But to me, in my headcanon, this is the first doctor. This is him portraying Hartnell's doctor. And especially since Susan shows up and we have all of this, you know, wonderful connecting backstory. But go ahead. I just want to jump in there and, yeah, no, and no, no. confirm that, that, yes, I think this is supposed to be the first doctor. See, and I think that's supposed to be the first Doctor, but to me, his performance was so much, for the most part, throughout it, a such kinder, softer, gentler first Doctor. He has his harsh moments where he's mad or frustrated, but overall, he seems like such a kinder man that it feels different from the first Doctor that we know. I sort of chalk that up to, though, the years of manipulation that he's been suffering from that he's been sort of suppressed in this, you know, in his little mausoleum um, underneath Gallifrey. And I've just, I kind of sort of felt like that this is a tempered doctor because of the events that's led up to this point. Yeah. And maybe some of it is also, I thought his voice was very reminiscent of the original Winnie the Pooh actor. (laughs) (laughs) I, I could hear the similarities. I think it was the accents that yeah. they have they must be from the same place or something because they sounded very similar to huh. me <laughs> i didn't get that at all i think it's a combination of those things along with you know not only is he being manipulated and, and when um oh <laughs> the servant oh uh, uh badger badger when badger would come in and say something and man it was it was like jafar and and the you know uh the king uh, you know everything will be fine your majesty everything will be fine and he just kind of floated off <laughs> it, i mean it, it was so very much that but i also think it's a little bit of what we've talked about with the first doctor before with um with susan how once susan departs the company he's a bit of a different doctor and we've kind of chalked that up you know retroactively obviously but we've chalked that up to you know he doesn't have her to worry about well, on all these adventures in his mind palace, he doesn't have her to worry about. <laughs> yeah. I, I, in fact, he's forgotten about her. So, well, you know. He's he's certainly, at least in his yeah mind palace or his, what do you call it, the possibility generator, he's traveling on his own. So he's only got himself to worry about. So I could see him being even tempered by that, that as Sean's pointing out, after Vicky left, or not Vicky, after uh, Susan left, he wasn't as gruff, and I think part of that gruff exterior was him being very overly protective of Susan because he's dragging her around the universe in time and putting, potentially putting her in danger. So I, I think that that's why he would also be tempered in this aspect as well. That's true. That's a good point. So that, that was a, a, a definite, uh, 
I don't know, softening of the blow, as it were, that we weren't necessarily getting chucked into the deep end, that there were still these threads of familiarity um, that, that, that kind of ran throughout it. And then there's this absolutely phenomenal um, <laughs> Doctor Who historical going on with <laughs> with Hannibal. And I'm, I'm kind of upset that that wasn't the whole story because I really enjoyed that. And Talking Elephants, and of course, yeah. And I don't know the actor's name that does the elephant, but he sounded very familiar. Like <laughs> anytime we needed a big alien, we need this guy, you know, to come in and do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I and I love I love that resonating. Oh, we're going to go into it's, it's almost like I don't know. Brian Blessed turned up to eleven, but without the <laughs> screaming. I was going to say it was a scaled back Brian Blessed. Okay, yeah, that'll work too. But you know, because I thought he, the same thing. He's got that resonance about it, which was great. And Hannibal was such a cool character. I really kind of if they if they ever decide to do a Hannibal historical, I'm on board. I'm already there because this this just intrigued me. And as if that wasn't enough, then we get the Gallifrey stuff and the family history and, and, and all of that. And then Susan shows up. I was like, this story just couldn't get any better. And then it does <laughs> every single time, every step of the way. I was really blown away by how much I enjoyed this one. Yeah. Uh, the voice is uh, Ian Brooker, and he has done some uh, other big finish quite a bit. Um, An Earthly Child was one of them. He was the president of the Earth Council in that. He's done a lot of stuff. He seems to be kind of a staple there at Big Finish for audio roles. I think he's usually the big burly monster. Yeah, yeah. Although if you <laughs> if you look at his picture, he's not a doesn't. I mean, it's just kind of a headshot, but he doesn't really look like a big burly man either. I mean, he's got some gruff to him, but actually, he's got a little bit of. Uh, um, oh, you just said his name. Uh, Brian Blessed, Brian Blessed. Uh, in his face, in his eyes there, but <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, I agree, Sean. I think that I I could have done with a story all about uh, Hannibal crossing the Alps and his confrontation with the Doctor and the, you know they're working and this elephant, despite the fact that the elephant's talking uh, as well. <laughs> but I think it also works in the context of this story that we have a Doctor who, because he didn't leave Gallifrey and go on these adventures, he's putting them together in, you know, as, as fictional works. And particularly he's known for the one that I did like the, the name drop of adventure in time and uh, space and time that he, that that's mm -hmm. the title of his most famous book on Gallifrey. So I think that was really kind of cool. And the idea of putting together a possibility generator that serves as his TARDIS in a way uh, so that he does kind of go off world he just without actually going off world i thought that was kind of a neat idea uh, maybe maybe an idea borrowed from the holodeck <laughs> next gen but uh well used <laughs> yeah no that's 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 like you know transmat i'm not going to fault anybody for <laughs> yeah right th th this universe has that and that universe has that. Eh, that's going to come along we're i'm okay with that one. <laughs> well and then when you discover at the end that he's been inside a tardis the whole time anyways i can even excuse that the uh, the probability generator even more in the fact that it's a tardis technology yeah 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 very much so i think the 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 one thing that the story suffers from a little bit is it does get mired in the politics a little too much and as we had said that we would have enjoyed the story with Hannibal probably more as as the story I think it gets a little bogged down in the what is it Quinces who's this you know supposed ghost in the matrix that the doctor all along has believed has been this you know great grand uncle or whatever of his for so long and the, the the manipulation of the doctor and guiding Susan into the position. I just, it got really weighed down to the point where I really couldn't follow a lot of what was going on there. Um, you didn't have to follow it, I think, so much because it's backed up by the fact that they have to escape by going into the possibility generator, utilizing Hannibal in that situation, and then, you know, her making that choice at the end. So it was okay that they went with that, but I don't think that, I think it gets a little mired in that. And that's, that's pretty much Mark Platt in a, in a, <laughs> in a nutshell. He tends to do that kind of thing. You know, he did that with Ghost Light. I think he did that with Time's yeah. Crucible. 
Uh, and I haven't read Lungborough yet, but I'm pretty sure that Lungborough's along the same lines. Um, I should say I haven't read it all the way through. I've read part of it. Um, and then, so, you know, it's very much Platt having these kind of lofty ideas that I think maybe go a little over at least my head um, in trying to make a concise idea of what's happening there but really that's it's to me that's its only weakness is the fact that we kind of have this thread of what is is probably the important meat of the story but not necessarily not necessary to the overall you know adventure of the plot yeah i found some of that stuff a little confusing and hard to follow too but when you just kind of roll with it and eventually it kind of starts to make sense of what they're trying to do it's just a lot of there's some you know he uses the probability generator to show what it would have been like if he had become president and stuff like that and that's when it starts to go what, what what's going on wait what's happening yep. and then you kind of get caught up and then you kind of figure out and then once pretty much once susan comes even though it gets mired in some of those politics it helps clarify i thought and straighten things out uh as far as what was going on a little bit, but the mechanicians of Quinces, I don't think I even still understood that in how it related to Susan either, other than the fact that he needed her to be the next president and was already formulating her death past whatever desires he needed to get out of that. So, Yeah, we don't really know what he wanted to do as the whisperer in the president's ear. That's right. the one thing we didn't really find out. Right. Well, and that's the part of it that it, it, yes, if the book falls down a little bit, it's on his motivations because I totally get him wanting the doctor to be president. Oh, sure. sure. I, I, I can buy that. I can totally get him switching gears and going to Susan. I can, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. And then the big reveal that he's been there all this time whispering in previous presidents here yeah, that he's yeah. been the power behind the throne and he's just looking to keep it. And it's like... Okay, well, if that's the case, you don't need a specific person right, it could be to be president. Why does it have to be a family member? In fact, grooming Susan was his fatal mistake because of the fact that she had the will to resist him. Yeah. So that, that that's the part that it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> but you know what? I've had a good ride through everything else. And honestly, the idea of Susan taking over the presidency of Gallifrey, that kind of excites me, too. Oh, yeah. oh, I would, I bought I'd that. be totally yeah. down for Absolutely. a whole, yeah. hey, big finish. Let's do a whole box set of that. <laughs> just, just, you know, I don't care if it's unbound or not. Just Susan is the president. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe she comes home from Earth after her, uh, you know, her, her adventures. Well, after uh, David uh, passes. And yeah. she's done with that council that she's, you know, led in unearthly. It's the planet and back up and running after yeah. the Dalek invasion. And okay, come home. That's good. And I, I really enjoyed Badger as a character in there. Kind of that back and forth being controlled by Quintus, but also, you know, having some loyalty to the doctor as well. I thought that was kind of neat. It's good, good in between character, especially. Having those moments where, you know, his eye would pop out and the doctor would, you know, just nicely, okay, I'll, I'll help you with that and put it back in. And even there in the mm-hmm. end when he's defeated, he's still, you know, over him putting his eye back in for him. I thought that was, that was touching. And then when it happens and Quinces can't do it because he's not corporeal. Right, right. Which you don't realize until later on. You don't realize why. Yeah. He, it, you almost think he just isn't going to do it because of the type of person he is. But you find out later that he just can't do it because he can't He can't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good story. I, I liked a lot of the little nods, too. Um, one of the mention of the Tholex instead of the Daleks. Yeah. Oh, that was so cool. <laughs> implying that things probably went down very differently on Scaro. <laughs> <laughs> that that was really neat. Um, yeah. What was the other thing that I thought that... that I, one of the things that I also I think was very confusing was the end of this story and having... and I liked it, and I liked how it played out. It was very well done, but it was... It, I couldn't quite understand what was happening when we had Susan accepting the invitation to travel with the doctor and the Susan declining the invitation to travel with the doctor and, and overlaying one over the other, which I thought was brilliantly done, 
but I wasn't quite sure what the purpose of that was, if there was an end story reason for that happening. Perhaps to illustrate the nature of decision-making that, you know, the kind of the whole point of the unbound is the doctor made the decision to not leave. He went through all the effort to steal the TARDIS, but then never actually got off Gallifrey, which is what created this splintered reality. So then we get to the end of this and he's presenting Susan with that choice. And as opposed to kind of confining us to one path or the other, we get to see the, the fork in the road as it were. I see. I, that's a guess, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I think I could have bought that except for it comes from a point of it, it's not like we were hearing the version of what we got of them actually leaving when Susan was much younger than this. It seems like the conversation is made from this point in time in the into the audio. And I think that's what confused me a bit, because I would have almost liked it better if we've we had gotten both conversations from the point of view of him actually stealing the TARDIS in the way that we knew it and her going with him. I think that would have worked for me better, but it wasn't defined enough that it wasn't at the same point in time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, it would have had to have been, if if you're having this discussion now with older Susan and older doctor for that matter, uh, you know, it, it has to be this decision at this point in time. Right. And I think that's where, that's where I struggle with it because had they overlaid it with what, actually did happen i think that would have been better you can't go back to that point because that's an earlier well no but i mean if they're using it for kind of the artistic nature of decisions then you can you could use the past and now and overlay them and kind of show the dichotomy between the two but from this but point, he didn't really of get the, the choice yeah. in the past. Well, no, you're right because of Quintus. Unless you're looking at the alternate timeline, but, but that's my so point. Then, is I think that I know why they did that. I'm not arguing why they did this. What I'm saying is I think it would have served better to have given us the real timeline along with this time asking Susan to go with him. I think that 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 kind of just juxtaposed uh, with each other would have done a lot better, or at least settled a lot better for me. I don't know. I think I disagree with that just from the standpoint that because everything in this timeline, everything in the unbound audio is not what you think, you know, so then to hearken back to it in that way and give us, you know, uh, the the quote unquote, that conversation, I I think would, I don't know. I, 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 for one, am okay with, you know, that we just continue on from here. And this is like, now, I mean, the way it was done, yes, it was a little confusing because at one point I actually thought maybe they were still in the the probability uh, generator. Well, I, I think I, was, I wonder if that's what they were trying to go I, for. Yeah, is, that's probably. Yeah. yeah, now that you say that, that probably is what they were going for. And and that they were just There's illustrating that anything is possible, yeah, you know, from that standpoint. Point. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. It does sell it a little better for me to to think of it that way. The other problem with it is I was trying to ground it in a little bit of realism, I guess, is what I was trying to do. And that (laughs) that helps me do that by saying, okay, I can see why it was happening now because of the the possibility generator. It makes more sense to kind of frame it around that to be at this point in time. So that works. I'm sold. And and Susan, you know, for all of her, yeah, let's go run off. She's always been the more responsible of the two. Oh, absolutely. You know, always. Uh, and the fact that, you know, you, even when in the, in the, uh, the quote unquote real timeline, when we're stranded on earth or stuck on earth for a little bit, it's like, well, I want to go to school. <laughs> it's like, yeah. why? There's absolutely nothing you could learn that that's going to be of any benefit to you other than the culture stuff. But I guess it helps you, you know, blend in and disguise yourself. Okay. But um, the idea that Susan would leave not only the presidency, as grandfather did, but that she's got kids that she mentions that yeah. you know they're they're grown. Well, but, her kids you know, have kids. <laughs> yeah, kids and kids, and that she would be like, yeah, "Okay, let's go." Eh. 
Yeah, Susan, it makes sense. Susan's too practical it for that. She's going to stick around. The one side of that, she is making that decision. I didn't. I don't have an issue with that because I think that's absolutely what she would do at this stage in her life. So yeah, she's not Roy Neary choosing to leave everything. Right. <laughs> Very good though. Good I stuff. didn't realize that this was a. This was one of Big Finish's um, contribution to the 40th anniversary of Doctor Who. This is what they sort of did for that anniversary year. Now, I know that I know that there's a limited number of these, and that's not necessarily something that they've delved back into much. Well, they have. <laughs> really? Yeah. Beyond it, the beyond this, there's there's a lot of. Uh, in fact, they they kind of ran with uh, David Warner's Doctor, uh, which <laughs> we're going to talk about here pretty soon. But they kind of ran with that. There's there's almost I think there's three. Unbound Doctor series with his particular Doctor. They're not framed in this same Unbound uh, series like this, like like we have here, where there are just different random stories. Um, but yeah, they 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 took and kind of built on his. In fact, I think there's a few of them where he travels, or at least is with Bernice uh, Summerfield as well. So, okay, so that makes me extremely happy because, of course, David Warner is my fave. <laughs> Love me some David Warner, but I'm I'm like totally ready for you know, an unbound five doctors. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Can can can, can we get a crossover event? <laughs> yeah, different universes coming together. Although I think you'll find it because I know this series a little bit. Uh, I think you'll find some of the next doctors that we're introduced to won't necessarily work that way. <laughs> <laughs> But we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. We, we we will get there. Yeah. Anything else on this one, or we want to move to sympathy for the devil? Rule Britannia, Britannia rules the slave. People in high places don't like my attitude. They've dumped me somewhere I can't do any harm, and they've taken away my means of escape. Where were you when I needed you, eh? I was supposed to arrive earlier, much earlier. It's 1997. I'm years out. You wouldn't believe some of the things I saw. I mean, plastic robots trying to take over the world. I ask you. I've obviously missed out on a lot of developments. Lucky you. Some of us had to live through them. Well, I'm here now. I'm stuck here Chinese stealth plane crashes in Hong Kong the day before the handover. That falls under unit jurisdiction. Good. You're old friends. No. My worst enemy. You saw the red star on that thing? It's a communist plane. And as of midnight tomorrow, they're in charge. As of midnight tomorrow, the Chinese can move their whole army over the border and nobody can stop them. This, you great big honorable discharge, is General Curler, political officer with the People's Liberation Army. What our actions make us. What we do makes what we are. An Englishman's home is his castle. Trespassers will be shot. It is best to bend like bamboo in the wind. That rather depends on the wind. It's worse than I thought. I really want to give this the largest bop, bop, bop! <laughs> But I did have a few little issues with plotting toward the end. So yeah, I I'll, I'll, I'll hold back a little bit. I think I know where you're going with this, but yeah, let's start. I, what I really like, and and unlike the first story, where I th- I felt that that was the first Doctor that we were listening to, had he taken a different path. This Doctor particularly is a different incarnation of the third Doctor in my mind. This is this is David Definitely. Warner putting his stamp on this role and this is a different uh even you know uh, uh face different personality this is if the third this had been our third doctor in line i think this is this is the doctor in another universe that basically regenerated from trout when he was banished to earth but as the story sets it up he's banished you know he, he ends up much later and misses the 70s and 80s and all of these events that unit had to deal with on their own which I think mm-hmm. is a really kind of clever story as well. And it's interesting that this is almost an idea that, that, that 
that uh, uh, Candy Jar has sort of kind of skirted the edge with with the uh, uh, Laughing Gnome books that we've been reading. They kind of mm-hmm. go into sort of that territory of these what-if kind of things. And so um, I think this story does that really well. I like the fact that he's you know, he is in the right place to be, quote-unquote, reunited with the Brigadier, but things had taken a very different course for him, and he's actually been looked on as kind of a failure as the leader of unit because so many things went went poorly uh, you know not to his fault he, he did his best and i think it's conveyed that he did his best but it just it didn't come off that way he didn't have the doctor to help him yeah. get through and yeah. be successful yeah um, and i think david Tennant makes a great military colonel leader i think he is so good in this and i had no idea he was in this story but the moment i heard his voice i went that's david Tennant right there you cannot mistake him because he's got his his scottish he's got his scottish accent in there as well that he's coming through with which is what I think we're more familiar with now, you know, just recently, because if you hear the things that he does, he doesn't put on the, the doctor uh, standard British anymore. He, he sticks with his own uh, recently. I mean, obviously broad church, he's still stuck with sort of an English accent and ducktails ducktail. Well, ducktails was a Scottish. <laughs> yeah. He puts it even thicker on there. He does. He does. Uh, but he just as, uh, what was it? Colonel Wood. He, uh, man, he was just so good. And I, he was that, you know, he's that brash military commander that you just, you, you know, that he's just, he thinks he's right. And he's so adamant about doing things his way that he almost won't listen to anybody else. But he's, he, he sells it so well that I just, every time he was, you know, every time his voice would come on, I was like, okay, I want to hear this guy more. What's he doing now? You know, and, and to even kind of soften and go along with what, uh, the brig and, uh, the doctor have planned, you know, that was neat that he does kind of have that change of, okay, we're going to do it your way. And let's see how this works out. Unfortunately, it does, does turn out poorly for them at the end, but, <laughs> Sorry, I'm kind of hogging this, but oh well, no, even you know, Mark Mark Gaddis. Wow, he was so good too. Did you know he was credited as Sam Kisgart? He would no, yeah, he was. He was credited as Sam yeah. Kisgart, which I thought was an excellent nod to the fact that they would use the anagrams in the 1970s to disguise and 80s to disguise that the the doctor or the, the master was in the story. I thought that was a great idea to do in this. Yeah, and his performance was so good. I didn't. I in the back of my head, I was like, "Is that Mark Gatiss? No, maybe it's somebody else." Is it? Yes. And then just tonight, finally, when I got online to look it up, and like, "Oh, yep, yeah, yeah, that was definitely him." Yeah, I, I he pulls such an Anthony Ainley feel to the entire. He does. Performance. I I could mm-hmm. hear a lot of Mycroft in him when he was doing it, but I also mm-hmm. felt it was very in line with kind of that Ainley style of master. Yeah. So I went into this blind I, I i the only thing i knew about this particular unbound story is that david warner was the doctor and that was enough for me to go okay so we get rolling and david warner is there and it's like ah! and then the brig shows up i was like oh <laughs> what a pleasant survive and it's a surprise and it is nicholas courtney too so. and it is nicholas yeah. courtney yeah. so that was just uh oh wow and then David Tennant shows up. <laughs> and it's like, ooh! Much, and, and then Gaines, much like the first one, it was just layer upon layer upon layer of, this can't get any better. <laughs> I am grinning from ear hole to ear hole, you know? It just, yeah, oh wait, no, it just got better. Okay. And, and Tennant's performance is such... He's that guy, you know, that one that we've seen in all of these episodes, that pompous military jerk that's just there to cause problems mm-hmm. and is very practically inept uh, at, at what he's going to do. And yet it's David Tennant. So he gets a pass and you kind of don't care. And you're just like, OK, yeah, come on, <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> and then you find the tragedy of everything that not only did the brig, you know, quote unquote, screw up. But that Mike Yates blew himself up in, in, in attacking the Silurians and put a giant hole in, in London. Ooh. Okay. 
That, yeah. That, that's a bit of a wrinkle. Well, and then later on, hearing the master berate the doctor of all the things he had to go through on Earth without him there to help mm-hmm. was just as impactful. <laughs> and quite the, the, the shock to kill the master off, you know, right off the bat. You know, here's was this, this guy gurgling. Blah. Oh, now he's somebody. Else. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. just. And using just the, you know using the stealing of the body technique, I thought was kind of a nice touch as well. Yeah, just just one shock after another with that. Yeah. So that was really cool. Um, another another uh, another Abby. <laughs> the, the, the doctors can't seem to stay away from them. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, which was fun, and uh, then then it got a little. Okay, so so we've got these slug things that are controlling well, they're, all these armies. They're the mind parasites, and I, 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 it was implied that they're the same mind parasite that's from that was in the mind of evil that that he used in the prison. Oh, yeah. okay, I missed so it's, that. It's implied that it's the same or a, a derivative of the same entity, and so. But he doesn't just have the one. There have been these you know, many of them around, and that's what okay, he's using that, to manipulate that army. That that's, that makes more sense to me yeah. because w- once we kind of drifted away from, as you said, this is not the third Doctor. It's a third Doctor. Yes. You know, once we kind of drifted away from the specifics of the 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 unit timeline then I kind of drifted away from the stories of the <laughs> time. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't, I didn't put two and two together that that would have actually been mind of evil. Okay. Yeah. That makes a little more sense. It, for it, me it, the, at least a derivative of the entity from mind of evil. It's, it's right. the same. Yeah. Cause it's just all uh, of a the, sudden the, there was this threat with these, these, these armies that were going to turn and it was like, okay, but you already had them. Yeah, so I think the idea is that he had the other ones in place that were controlling, and this was the one. This was the last one he was going to. He was going to get, and this because of the handover, he knew that this one was located in the monastery, and so he ended up faking the um, uh, not exile, but uh, uh, defecting. And then the you know the plane crashes and he steals the body because he's trying to get to this location to get this final parasite. So, so according to the TARDIS wiki, uh, the author stated that the mind of evil is the critical moment in this alternate timeline. Yeah, the master defected to China after the alternate events of that story, and the mind parasites are the same creatures used in the Keller machine. Yeah, and that the dying master regenerating into. Mark Gatos was intended to be the one portrayed by Roger DeGaldo. Oh, cool. Well, that makes sense then why he kind of took an Ainley approach with the, with the character. Mm-hmm. I like all the other Very little cool. nods to past events, too. The sentient plastic flowers from Terror, terror, terror of the Autons. <laughs> yeah. um, the Mars Probe 7 from the Ambassadors of Death. And then they also talk about the Stallman gas that they were mining from inferno and how it's a high commodity now <laughs> how much good <laughs> it, it is it really is I, I love the the fact that the doctor's one step ahead again too and we don't really realize it when he when he pulls the double double cross um you know convincing the the master to come knowing to you know cooperating with the master to bring the mind parasite to that location so that they can take it to the other ones to have it destroyed. And the fact that he, you know, he pulls the fast one. He says, well, I really just want your TARDIS because I've been stuck here on earth. And he's going, you know, playing off that sympathy of them both being trapped and then pulling the double cross on him and saying, you know, I, I just wanted your TARDIS. And because I'm, you know, he wants to hightail it out of there and sending him down to the Briggs, um, uh, bar that he has that he yeah. runs in Hong Kong, making Master think that it's you know obviously Chameleon Circuit disguised as the bar, and he goes inside and all the people that come in today wanting drinks and stuff as he's like figuring out that I've been duped. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just I, I'm going to continue to fawn all over David Warner. Oh, his for, performance for that. is just. 
fantastic because he he's playing that and of course when he's he's doing the well we're gonna you know we need your help to do this and you know i'm sure you guys were the same we're screaming at the no <laughs> he's gonna betray he's the master yeah, Come on. yeah. Can, I, I was full i was full into it i thought okay the, you, no, you can't do that and i i did not see it coming that he figured that he knew that he'd figured it out and just the, just the, the mannerisms with which he was like you knew he was going to do that? Planned on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm his, grinning from ear hole to ear hole again. <laughs> his chemistry with Nicholas Courtney was so fantastic. So him and yeah. the brig just mm. bounce off each other so well. Yeah. And I'm almost more of a friendly, like the brig's trying to be gruff and uh, distant from the doctor, but the doctor isn't that way towards him at all. Um, completely different from Pertwee's performance. So I thought that was also a very nice portrayal of a different form of the third doctor where, you know, they're going to become really good friends now that they're going off and traveling even more so than what they did when in, in the actual timeline. Yeah. Yeah. What a brilliant, Oh, you know what? We're not quite done pulling the rug out from underneath you. When we, you know, this doesn't look like, well, I thought so. I, you know, I figured if I kicked it, it would rearrange the circuits. I just not it hard enough. And well, it worked. This isn't earth. What do you mean? This is, oh, he got out of it. <laughs> well, even it wasn't the, the fact that he kicked it and the, the brig's like, well, you saw the blast blew us free, huh? <laughs> like he sees through the crap that, no, that's, you didn't fix it yourself. If it was the bomb, <laughs> I sort of like that that we left it on kind of a a downer note too for the unit troops not being able to get out of there before the the handover and the army that or yeah the army that the master had been controlling with the mind parasites once the parasites were die, were dead came out of it and you know the attack on the harbor I thought that happening was it was kind of a nice juxtaposition with the doctor and the brigadier going off to presumably have some adventures together. It was kind of this neat balance between the two. Yeah. Did anybody continue listening past the credits? I did. Yeah, of course. Yeah. For the, for the post credit scene. I did. I did. Am I correct in my assumption that that was a direct eighth doctor joke? <laughs> You'll have to refresh my memory of what had happened. Uh, for, the shoes, for, for the shoes, the shoes, shoes. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, yeah. I think maybe it was. I have also seen it implied that uh, Warner has just come off the uh, regeneration from the second Doctor, who was much smaller in stature, and he's still in the clothes of the second Doctor. <laughs> Unlike the third Doctor in Spearhead from Space, who is put in the hospital and gets to steal some clothes, Warner's doctor has been in this wardrobe the entire time. And so it's been implied that the shoes are too small because Trouton's feet would have been, or the second doctor's feet would have been smaller than Warner's. So, but it, it might've been a nod to the movie. I don't know. I'm going to go with both. <laughs> yeah, it works. Why not? Why not? I'm already yeah. happy. I see no reason to change my head. Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you do know that we'll get some more David Warner Doctor in the Unbound series. Besides the, I, I, besides I know the, besides well, besides those in this in this grouping that we're doing for for the next month, we'll get a little bit more David Warner. So, hang in there. And David Warner and the Brig together. Yep, yep. Um, and I so think happy. not in this universe, but I think uh, Colonel. Wood returns as well, so I don't want to make any promises, but I think I read that somewhere. Mm -hmm. Cool. So happy. This it, it, yeah, this story was just so fantastic. Oh, it's it was. one I'm going to go back to so frequently. <laughs> and we should point out that you know we're doing mucho master for the uh, full year, and this happens to fall on the week that we're doing our mucho master, and so we got some master in there as well, which was very cleverly planned. By I'll give him some credit, Sean, because I had no Almost idea the master was in this until you <laughs> scheduled it <laughs> and said that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's almost like I knew what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. Almost. <laughs> almost. Almost. <laughs> Anything else about this one before we uh, move on? 
Well, what else do we have on the schedule, Sean? Speaking of unbound doctors. Well, speaking of unbound doctors, coming up next on the schedule are the next two. Unbound number three, Full Fathom five. Try saying that five times fast. And number four, He Jests at Scars. Those will be followed by number five and six, Deadline and Exiles. And number seven and eight, A Storm of Angels and Masters of War. And that'll, so wrap, just gonna up, kinda, that'll wrap up the Unbound series proper at that point. Mow m- m- through the, the, whole, the whole collection. Yeah. Uh, and that schedule is posted on our website. What is along the... With the uh, what is Sorry, that website? What is that website? What is that website? Yeah. That website is travelingthevortex.com. <laughs> Along with, uh, you know, couched in uh, technically the next chapter of uh, Scheduling Victorious. So, Oh, has that been updated? It has. Oh, is it still sentient? It is. Ooh, let's go check it out. All, all part of the plan, boys. <laughs> Well, be sure to check that on our website. And if you uh, get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on the Patreon link while you're there and consider supporting us. Thank you again to all of those that uh, are already supporting. Also, please consider giving us a five-star view wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And thanks to some efforts by Sean, we are now officially on Spotify. So if you are a Spotify user and you want to listen to us, you can search up uh, Travel in the Vortex and you can find most of our back catalog. Um, I think Sean said it goes back about, what, 200, 100-ish episodes? Yeah, we're somewhere in the 300s okay. where it trailed off, I think, at last so, time I checked. But everything current and onward will uh, show up on there now, too. So uh, be sure to check us out there. And if you can rate us there, do that. Um, we specifically uh, point you to the direction of um, Apple uh, Podcasts still, though. That one is a big one for us if you can give us a five-star review there. Make sure you join the conversation on our listeners forum on Facebook. and You can engage with other listeners and share your thoughts and insights with us and others. Anything else before we close this one out, guys? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. (laughs) You're you're next, Glenn. You know that, right? (laughs) I'm not usually the one that does that. Cheers. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.